So last week I began a new series, it's going to go through the rest of this month, called For the Common Good. And if you remember what I talked about last week, when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, he talked about how that he would go to the Father and ask the Father to send us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, once we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior by faith, when we believe on him, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And now we're marked as children of God once the Holy Spirit lives in us because we believe in Jesus. And he's there as our helper. He's there to guide us, to direct us, to give us the wisdom, to remind us of everything that Jesus has taught us, remind us of everything that we have learned in church, everything that we have read in the Bible. He's awesome. And because of that, then we have the peace of God that comes upon us, that surpasses all understanding. It's peace that not the world can give, but that only God can give. So ultimately, really, the Holy Spirit is for us. And then there comes a time that we're going to talk about today when the Holy Spirit falls on us for power, power to be there for others. And church, that's where we need to be today. See, there is this incredible relationship once we give our lives to Jesus that now we have a relationship not just with him, but with the Father as well. And that relationship involves us, his children, being entrusted with the power of the Holy Spirit. Like this great commission that Jesus talked about is not just about words, but it's also backing it up with his power, his authority, as Eric was talking about today. And that comes with us a a great responsibility. And as we're going to find out today, there, there is some knowledge that we have to know. I mean, Paul talks about that. He talks about how he does not want us to be uninformed when it comes to the manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so my job today, what I feel like God is tasking me to do is to inform you. But it goes so much more beyond that. It's great that we have the knowledge, but are we rightly putting it to practice? And that's something that I think the church has has misused. It has become almost like the Holy Spirit is just to put ourselves on a pedestal or on a soapbox. Like he's just for us. Well, let me show you what God can do through me. Or let me... Pray in the Spirit so you can hear me and know how close I am to Jesus. And there is so much more than just building ourselves up. And I think that's where we're at today, where everything that's going on in this world and the craziness is that we tend to seclude ourselves and build ourselves up. But then there is no building up of the church. There is no working outside these four walls and reaching people for Jesus in a powerful way. And let me tell you something now, we're in a world right now that we can't just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk or people are not gonna come to know Jesus. We have a very skeptical generation, several generations that are younger, that are very skeptical that can go online and do whatever they need to do to research Jesus. But let me tell you something, they need, they need us, the church, to experience him. Because it's not just head knowledge. So what we're going to pick up today is in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. Everybody say with me, desire the fire. So Luke writes, he says this, and while staying with them, this is Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So this is right after Jesus resurrected. This is about 40 or 50 days that he's on this earth in his resurrected body, spending time with people, with his disciples. And this is right before he's about to ascend into heaven. So when I hear this, when I see wait for the promise of the Father, Well, back in John chapter 14, what I read last week is he said that I will ask the Father. So between his death and resurrection, he had a conversation with the Father. 
He asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit, not just to come within us, but the promise extends beyond that to fill us with his power. He goes on, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will, say with me, you will. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will, let me hear you, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The disciples, man, you got to love them. They were so present-minded. All they thought was Jesus was going to come back and restore his kingdom right then and there. Delivered them from the Roman oppression, set up his kingdom right then and there. They had no idea. If you were to look at them back then and said, listen, 2,000 years later, Jesus still has not come back to establish his kingdom, they would be shocked. This is not what's important right now. Jesus establishing his kingdom, yes, it's important, but right now it's not. He's saying, I need you to be filled with my power to be my witnesses because there is a world that I need you to help me save. I've done the work. I went to the cross. I resurrected from the dead. But now I need you to go and tell people and I want you to back it up with miracle signs and wonders and there's no way you're going to be able to do it without this promise that I want you to wait for. So these are the three you wills. I have read this passage a thousand times and all it stuck out to me was, Jeff, you will. Jeff, you will. Jeff, you will. Which translation, if it's for me, if it's for the disciples back in the day, then it's also for you, the church. This idea that the Holy Spirit has stopped, that somehow miracles have stopped, that somehow tongues have stopped at the moment that Jesus ascended and the church began is malarkey. It's still good today because church, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You will receive the power and you will be his witnesses. It's good today just as much as it was good 2,000 years ago. But in this instance, what Jesus is talking about is not just for us. This is for other people. Oh, man, come on, guys. Man, I know some of you are like, oh, this is freaking me out, you know? This whole Holy Spirit thing, you know, speaking in tongues, you know, that thing, the tongues thing that's kind of weird, you know? And you mean to tell me that I'm going to be used by God to impact people that don't even come to church? Yes. Yes. But see, that's the thing. Our culture is so wrapped up in self right now, right? That's our culture. What about me? It's all about me. You know, look what I can do, you know? And man, what what, what I'm saying to you, what God is saying to you through me is time to put the self to the side. Like, I grew up as a Catholic, and then when I met my now wife, Lisa, who invited me to Grace Church years and years ago, I've been under some great teaching from Pastor Bob and from Pastor Rob about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you know, some people are weird when it comes to that. I've seen some weird things. And what does that do? It just draws attention to them. And so today, I feel this confidence and this clearance from God to explain some of this that we talk about, that we have seen, that we, some of us have learned, but some of us in here have never heard this stuff taught. And so I'm really looking forward to that. So with that, I want to pray. So Father, I just want to thank you so much for everybody that's here, everybody that's online, that's watching today. I just thank you, Father, for as we've been singing, the Holy Spirit, please fall on us today. Almighty mighty river, come and fill us again, and in some cases, fill us for the first time. Father, I just thank you that, not that we shut off our minds, 
but that we don't allow the enemy to fill our minds with thoughts of this isn't true, this isn't, this isn't right, this is crazy, this is not for you. We just bind those thoughts right now and we cast them out. And we just ask that you open our hearts to receive. And we just pray this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when I was a young lad, I was in the Boy Scouts. Back when the Boy Scouts were the Boy Scouts. <laughs> and, and I just absolutely enjoyed that time. And, and I went through the ranks from Cub Scout all the way to Eagle Scout. Had a, had a great experience with that. And, and of course, one of my favorite things was to th- set things on fire. So I don't know what it is, man, but the Boy Scouts, what, they, what really their mission is, it's not just to be prepared, the motto of the Boy Scout, but it's to keep us young lads from becoming pyromaniacs because that's what I was like, a pyromaniac. Hey, you want, need a campfire started? I'm your man. And, I, and so we learn, we learn to light a fire with flint. And, and it was interesting to be able to do that and, and, and to try to strike it right so the sparks would fly and that spark would eventually light a fire. And then we would use that fire to warm ourselves and then to cook food on. And, and one of the best things I've ever had, if you've never had it, then I, I, I'm telling you, you need to try, is have cobbler that is cooked over a campfire in a Dutch oven. There is nothing like it. Nothing like, yeah, ooh, yeah, that's, all right, somebody understands how awesome that is. And then there are times, though, I remember we would have, uh, we would have our whole troop come together and we would do not just a campfire, we would do a raging bonfire. It's like, it looks like, I, I don't even know how to say it, like, like a funeral pyre from like the Middle Ages, you know? It's like they would just stack this wood up real high and they would set that puppy on fire with kerosene and it would just be really for the benefit of us all to stay warm. So to put all this together is we're going to talk about speaking in tongues here in a minute. And really, ultimately, that is the spark. And then we're going to learn what the gifts of the Spirit are. And that is the fire that's going to keep us warm. That's the knowledge thing, right? Like Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know these things. And then we're going to talk about, as Jesus said, now you have the power. Now I want you to be my witnesses. And that's that raging bonfire. That's what we need to be right now. I think for the most part in here, and there's some exceptions, and I'm going to speak to you as well. Trust me, so don't fall asleep. But there's some of us in here, we have the spark, we have the fire, but we're not a raging bonfire. And that's where we need to be. So can I just speak plainly for a minute? I'm going to tell you right now, we're probably going to go a little long today, okay? And I'm going to ask you respectfully to please stay put till the end. We're in a, in a day and age where I've actually been in a church, I'm not going to tell you which one, that has said that they will not allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate. They've literally said that. And that, that does not make sense to me, especially in the day and age that we live in. I want this church to operate in the gifts the Holy Spirit. I want this church not just to build ourselves up, but to build up the church. And, and I think what's going to happen starting today is there's going to be a renewed fire. Not just a spark, but a renewed fire that I believe as time goes on, as we move forward as home church, in this city, be a raging bonfire. So the three you wills that Jesus mentioned in the first passage that I read to you, the very first one he said is, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. 
So what is he referring to? Really, you take it just a few more days later, the disciples find themselves in the upper room. And there, they're waiting for the promise. They have no idea what's about to knock them upside their heads. Literally. They have no idea. They were just told to wait. See, we have the benefit of being able to look back and see what happens. So we kind of know, right? But they, they didn't know. By faith, they did what Jesus told them to do. They walked into Jerusalem and they sat in an upper room for several days waiting for this promise, not knowing what to expect. And this is where we pick up in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Hello, wind. We talked a little bit about the wind yesterday, right? Or yesterday. Wow, it seems like yesterday. Last Sunday, how the Holy Spirit, how Jesus compared the Holy Spirit to the wind, right? We don't know necessarily when he's coming. We don't know where he's going. But really, the wind is pneuma. The wind is the breath of God. The breath of God that breathed life into Adam, that breathes life into us as believers. That's the Holy Spirit coming, living inside of us. Here's this mighty rushing wind, this time not to come to mark them as believers, but to come to give them the power. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began, say this with me, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So why did this happen? The very first reason why this happened was because they were obedient. They were obedient to go to the upper room and wait for the promise. So some of you in here are wrestling with this whole idea of what's this Holy Spirit and and being filled, the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, as we have on our wall outside in the lobby, one of the steps in following Jesus is called infilling. Okay, what is all, and then speaking in tongues, you know, the first thing I can tell you is be obedient to receive this promise. Because when I get to the end of my message, we're gonna have an opportunity for some of you who have never done this before, to be obedient and receive that promise. So it goes on, as, as it says in verse 4, I'm going to re- reiterate this, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and, that and is crucial in that phrase, and. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, and, which means there's something that happened after they were filled that drawed evidence to the fact that they were filled and began to speak in other tongues. They began to speak in other tongues. Not the Holy Spirit made them speak in other tongues. They were not possessed by the Holy Spirit. No, they were filled and they opened their mouths and began to speak in other tongues. This is the evidence. Yeah, that whole tongues thing. So what is it? What is it? Man, I love this because Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, explains exactly what this is. Like, I'm telling you, man, I know I am not the smartest person in the world. I am not the sharpest knife on the drawer but I can read, and I can read this, and I read exactly what he's saying, and, and for me, it's like, oh yeah. yeah, even as somebody who has been speaking in tongues for 25 years, go back and looking at this in preparation for this morning, it just resonates with me. It's like, yeah, I get it now. I really get it, right? So Paul says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. So when you're hearing people and they're praying in the spirit, and you'll see here kind of a difference of of some things I'm going to get to here in a minute, but when you're praying in the spirit, 
this is what we call prayer language. This is you praying to God. This is you building yourself up. This is you speaking in, in almost literally tongues of angels. Like, you can't understand what you're saying, but see, God understands it. It's like me being a, a, somebody who's, who's older that can speak uh, to, to God in a language that, that, that only he can understand. It, it's kind of like when, when you're a two-year-old and you're learning your first words, or maybe a little bit older than that, and, and you're just kind of, you know, you're speaking, that, that's praying in English. But then as you grow up, and as my kids have grown up and they begin to talk to me in, in my, you know, my, at my level, that, that's like me praying in the Spirit to God. If that made sense. <laughs> For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. It's a mystery. I have no idea what it is that I'm saying, but God knows. Verse 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. We're really good about building ourselves up, like I've said. We're not really good at building the church up. So we can pray individually in tongues to God, and it builds ourselves up. It's a mystery. Only God knows what we're saying. But then there may be somebody during service that pops up and speaks in tongues but then there has to be an interpretation so that we understand it. It's not going to build us up as a church with encouragement or consolation if I don't understand what just happened. So if somebody speaks in tongues publicly in, in the fashion of it's just one person stands up and starts speaking in tongues, then there has to be an interpretation. And that will build up the church because that is God speaking to that person. And then somebody translates it so that we, the church, can understand it and receive it, and it builds us up. Does that make sense? So you're beginning to get warm. Desire the fire. Let's hear it. Okay, so I'm going to explain to you what happened to me. So again, I've already said that I was raised Roman Catholic. I was raised Roman Catholic, and my girlfriend at the time... Lisa invited me to church. We had this thing going. I've, I've said this a little bit before, but I'll say it again. We had this thing where she was like, listen, if you're going to date me, come to my church, and I'll go to your church. Well, guess who won? <laughs> Lisa won, yeah. I know, really, Jesus won because he used her to get to me. And I got saved in September of 1996, and then, of course, because Pastor Bob would teach on the Holy Spirit being filled, speaking in other tongues, I wanted that. So there's my obedience. My obedience was I desired that gift. And it's just like receiving Jesus. He's a free gift, okay? There's no strings attached. The only thing is that you have to be a child of God. You have to be a believer in Jesus to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So my obedience was saying, yeah, I want that. But my flesh was saying, oh, no because that's weird. And it is, because it's, it's a mystery. It's, we're speaking mysteries to God. We're speaking his language, man. I, it, it does sound weird. It kind of, you see somebody praying in the spirits, kind of looks weird too, but that's, it's biblical. And so I had to put that aside, and I remember responding during an altar call. I went back, and the guy who was praying with me said, okay, pray in the spirit. Uh. It was like the cat had my tongue, literally. And so I walked out of that prayer room discouraged because I was like, I didn't get filled. And then the following week, I went back again. Same thing happened. I was like, what is going on? Like, am I a child of God? Like, what's going on? And so... 
I remember it was a topic, obviously, of conversation because in October, which was the following month, I was going to get married to this wonderful young woman down here named Lisa. And there was a bit of a pressure to speak in tongues. Like, we wanted to be totally equally yoked when we got married. Like, believe the same things. That's what that that means, equally yoked. It's important. Uh, Youth, if you're going to get married, make sure they believe. How you believe, well, it's going to get kind of crazy. Just saying. So, so there was a little bit of pressure. And I remember uh, being over at at Lisa's mom's house. Hello, mom. She was there. And Lisa was there. And we had this conversation. And what Linda said to me, Lisa's mom, she said, oh, you're filled. I'm like, why am I speaking in tongues then? Uh, Because you're getting yourself in the way. I'm like, oh, I am? Because I had thought that the Holy Spirit was going to come on me and I was just going to go, you know? like a machine gun, man, it was coming out. And no, that's not what happens. No, no, there's this thing called faith. Yeah, my my obedience is I desire the gift. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to speak in other tongues. But then there's also this other step of faith where you actually got to open your mouth. And you got to move your lips because how do you speak? You move your lips, or actually your tongue, right? You got to move it. So she was like, okay, this is enough of this craziness. Stand up and let's do this thing. So she, she stood up in front of me and she started praying in tongues. And I'm thinking to myself, you sound like a Klingon. <laughs> and and she, she, it's like, almost like she heard my thought because she stopped and said, okay, you need to start doing what I'm doing. You just need to start doing what I'm doing. I'm like, she's like, just move your mouth. So she started again, and my head was just banging with all these thoughts, man. This is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this. What is going on, you know? <clears throat> and despite all that, God is faithful. Because I started to mimic what she was doing. And man, as they are my witnesses, the Holy Spirit fell on me, and I was on the ground. Because that does happen. I'm not going to say it's going to happen for everybody, but I think God had to get through to me that, yeah, I'm here. And yeah, you just received the Holy Spirit because I was on the ground and I was sobbing at the drop of a hat. Like I was just overcome. And I would try to get, get the, the tongues out and I, I was trying, you know, I was going, I was going, but I was so overwhelmed that I could barely get out of breath. And I remember Lisa putting her hands on my back and she was like man you are hot desire the fire people I was on fire yes I am hot thanks baby I am. I am. she was thinking it I had to say it that spark was ignited in me and I sounded weird the first year or two I guess but the more as with any language the more you practice the more it becomes proficient and how I pray in the spirit now sounds a whole lot different than what I did when I first got filled and it's just walking in that maturity you know you just grow into the things of God literally right so the fire was ignited, but then, then what had to happen was I had to have this knowledge. I had to understand what just happened, and, and now what? So it's good. So now I can pray in the Spirit. I can build myself up. I can have this conversation with God that's on His level, not on a two-year-old level anymore. So now what do I do with it? Well, Paul, ha, funny you should ask. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 2. So, again, Jesus said, you will, the second you will, you will receive power. And how many of you know knowledge is power? 
So now I have the power, now what do I do with it? So the knowledge is there to trigger the fire to give you the, the, the ability to know what to do with this power, the responsibility that you have with this power. And he said in verse two, he says, you know that when you were pagans, so if you know anything about the Corinthian church, they were whack, okay? They were doing things crazy. Like Paul had to come in there and set them straight. And he said, you know, when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. In other words, things that couldn't talk back to you. In other words, not God. You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Translation, the Holy Spirit is always going to be a witness for Jesus. Always. Further that translation, anything other than the Holy Spirit witnessing about Jesus, confirming that Jesus is Lord, is hocus pocus, folks. That's what he's saying. This stuff that you were doing with pagans or as a pagan to the, the idols that don't even speak back to you, that's hocus pocus. It's not saying Jesus is Lord. It's the opposite, actually. But the Holy Spirit will always confirm, will always be synonymous with Jesus and that he is Lord. And that is how we know that this power is right and it's not hocus pocus. He goes on in verse four. Now there are varieties of gifts. So here we go, we're getting into the gifts. So I got the power, now what do I do with it? But the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There you go. There's my sermon title. There's my, my series title, For the Common Good. It's not just about us. It's not just for us. He is for the common good. It's all given by God. These varieties, which really what it means is grace. These different graces that are given to us. We were singing that song that, oh, by the way, Evelyn the one who was over here who sang that song. What's the name of the song? Grace to Grace. Grace to Grace. She did awesome. Amen. She did awesome. Okay. Grace to Grace. Variety to Variety. God's grace upon us, his power to be able to do his work. It has nothing to do really with us. It's his grace that comes upon us to be able to do these gifts, to do these services, to do these activities. And he empowers us all to do them. So that what? So that they can manifest. In other words, be seen, be known. Like we know when God moves, we're going to know. So these gifts manifest. These varieties, these things that, that God graces us to do. The problem that we have now is we know this for the most part, and some of us are hearing this for the first time, which is awesome. But for those of us that know this, well, then we don't move forward with it. We don't do anything with it. And it's time that we do that. So the question becomes, are you available? You tongue-talking believers. Are you available to be used by God? We're really good at the first two. Receiving the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, and knowing about the gifts, but what about for the common good? So he goes on. He's going to explain what these gifts are, and there are nine of them. Beginning in verse 8, he says, For to the one given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, that's very important, that term, through the Spirit. In other words, it's not your own strength, it's not your own might, it's by the Spirit of God you're able to do these things. The first one is the utterance of wisdom. That is godly wisdom to solve a problem or situation for others. 
So you may be praying in the spirit, building yourself up, and then you come to church and you just get this, this unction. Holy Spirit's like pinging you, like you see brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so over there, you need to go tell them this. It's going to help them. It's going to solve a situation that they're in right now. Wisdom only God can give that you can't give because you don't know. You don't know who that person, what they're going through, but God does. He wants you to tell them this is what they can do to get out of that situation or to solve a problem. Uh, knowledge. So he goes on. And the, and the other is the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. So godly knowledge that enables us to speak into situations to give answers, healing, understanding to others. So maybe it's just it's godly knowledge that's going to help them to move forward through a process of healing. Maybe there's something emotional that they're going through and they need some inner healing. That's just an example. The next one, as he says, to another faith. I love that. Faith is like basically the Holy Spirit goes, wants you to go and encourage somebody. Give them faith. Maybe they're lacking in faith. Maybe the situation that they're in is so dire that they... They just have lost all faith and there is something that you're going to say to them that's going to gift them faith to keep on moving. To another, gifts of healing. Wow. Okay. How many of us in here want the gift of healing? Yeah. So one thing I left out was these gifts are not for you. No, no, no. Listen to me. Okay. Like, you can't walk around and say, I have the gift of healing. It's my gift. I'm just known as the healer because I heal everybody that I touch. The gift is not yours. The gift is given by God through the power of the Holy Spirit to work through you to give to somebody else. So when I receive the gift of healing, it's like, it's literally like I'm, I went to the store, picked up a, a present for my wife, and I'm carrying it to give to her. The gifts are not mine. The gifts are God's that he gives to me by his grace to take and give to somebody else. Does that make sense? So the gift of healing, wow, that's, that is pretty much self-explanatory. That person is healed by God's power. By the one spirit to another, verse 10, the working of miracles to another prophecy. And prophecy is awesome. Miracles is awesome. This is God's power to display signs and wonders to confirm God's word. That's miracles. But the gift of prophecy given by God to edify, exhort, and comfort those that are hearing. And so often that happens with a tongue and interpretation. Somebody speaks a tongue and then it's interpreted by somebody. And there's this this gift of prophecy that's given out to us to help comfort or exhort us. I've had actually somebody um, give me a prophetic word about my future. This was years ago. Well, the person says, I got this, this thing I need to tell you. And he said, you, you are going to be a shepherd of people. And one day you will be called Pastor Jeff. This was years ago. Well, that didn't really comfort me a whole lot, to be honest with you. But what that did was it, it, it prepared me for what was going to come. It was a gift. Now that I look back on it, sometimes you hear that and you're like, no, not really a gift. You can keep that gift. But then as you move forward and it does happen, you realize through the process that it indeed was a gift. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. In other words, to recognize whether something is truly from God. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Like I just said, tongue is spoken. That kind of tongues is when a tongue is spoken in public, in a public setting like this church. And then there's this gift of interpretation of that tongue. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God directs it, not you. See, 
I'm very hesitant on explaining all these gifts. These are revelation gifts, speaking gifts, power gifts. There's nine of them. It's nice that we have the knowledge, but ultimately, when God wants to use you as he wills, he will give you what it is that's needed for that moment. And it's not like you're going to be standing there like, oh yeah, this is a gift of knowledge that I'm going to give to this person. You just do it. And then maybe you look back on it and say, oh, that was the gift of healing that just happened. Oh, you know, it's not like, it's not like you could control the Holy Spirit. Again, he's like a rushing wind. He'll come when he wants and he leaves when he wills. It's, this is God moving through you. You just need to be the open vessel to be used by him. As simple as that. I desire the fire. Let's hear you. All right, you fire desirers. So now it's time to become the raging bonfire. I've given you the knowledge. Told you how you can receive the Holy Spirit and be filled and speak in other tongues to build yourself up so that you can have the ability to build up others. So now how do we do that? So the third you will that Jesus says is you will be my witnesses. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Don't get caught up on this. Continuing in verse 29, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Nope. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No. He says, basically, that's not really important. Verse 31, that's important, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. What is he saying with that? Earnestly desire the higher gifts. My prayer, my prayer for me has been, and I hope it's yours too, because we get so wrapped around the axle about doing and knowing, maybe more so knowing than doing, that our prayers are not focused on just God use me. So if I earnestly desire the higher gifts, then what I'm saying to God is use me in situations. Like give me the gift that is going to affect that situation in a way where it's gonna glorify you and bring that person to Jesus or bring them closer to Jesus. I have people on my heart right now that I'm asking for a specific gift, whether it's by me or through somebody else, that that gift is imparted to that person that I've been praying for. I am desiring earnestly that higher gift. Like there are some situations that I know about that are in this church that I've been praying for a specific gift to be able to be used by God, either through me or through somebody else in here. I don't care. I just want that person to receive that gift from God. But then there are situations when I'm out and about in this world and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, if you're in tune, boom, boom, boom. For the right moment, here's the gift that's needed. We need to have that desire as well. We are to earnestly desire the higher gifts. So how do we do this? How are we a powerful witness for Jesus? Because really my big idea is this, and I'm just going to read it right off my thing. The power of the Holy Spirit and the desire to be used by God will make you a powerful witness. 
See, we can have the power. We can be filled all day long. But if we're not having that desire to, that, to earnestly desire the higher gift, then we are not going to be a powerful witness. So I think a lot of us are wondering, well, how am I supposed to be a witness? As Jesus said, that we're supposed to be witnesses throughout all the world. And what is, what's the formula? How many, how many people in here are process-oriented? I'm very, very process-oriented. That's me. That's the military in me. That's the, the administrative side of me. I'm very process-oriented. Well, what God is saying is get out of your head. It's not a process. It's not step one, two, three, and four. We used to teach evangelism that way. Hey, there's five steps to receiving Jesus and blah, blah, blah. We had like five questions we had. And, and, and listen, many, many people got saved because of that process. But I think processes tend to hinder really the move of God because we kind of put it in a box, right? And so the whole thing with the Holy Spirit working through us to give the gifts to the people that we were trying to engage with whether in the church or outside the church, it's not a process. And this is what I've learned. Now, I spent 14 years driving around a bunch of states as a pharmaceutical sales rep. Some of that was flying all over the place to train people, and ultimately, I had a lot of alone time. Listen, I know every square inch of Oklahoma. Oh my gosh, I love Oklahoma people, but Northeast Oklahoma is only where it's at. Everything else? I spent a lot of time on the road, and and I used that time. And I'm not saying this, listen, I'm not saying this to be all holier than thou. I'm just telling you, I use that time to listen to sermons. I use that time to pray in the Spirit. I use that time to listen to worship songs, and I'm not going to lie to you, I listen to talk radio at times too. But my focus was really more on my God time to where I would literally step outside my vehicle and there'd be somebody standing there waiting for me. It just happens. I desired to be used by God. I desperately wanted to be and selfishly, because I wanted to see him work through me, there was a little bit of that. But primarily, no, I really wanted to reach people for Jesus. I really did. The amount of time that you spend, remember, God is entrusting his power to you. That's part of that relationship. Yeah, it's great. I got the Holy Spirit in me. I'm marked as a child of God. But then he entrusts me with his power to give the gifts, whatever gift that he wants to give me that, that, at that, that time and moment for that person to be able to do that. And it's like, if you put the two together, the more that I'm in relationship, the more that I'm sowing into that relationship means the more he's going to use me. If you want this, then there has to be that. And I'm preaching to myself. I want a church on fire. Ooh, yikes, man. Don't let us sing that song ever again, Josh. We're a church on fire. I'm sorry, I can't believe I'm doing that. <laughs> it was a good song for its time. Not right now. I, I want us to be a church on fire, but what's going to happen is, man, if we want that, we desire the fire, then there is that responsibility on us to draw near to him and he will draw near to us. And not just draw near to us for us, but for others. The power of the Holy Spirit and the desire to be used by God will make you a powerful witness. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 I read part of that. It said, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then he goes on and says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. That more excellent way. What Paul is referring to is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. For all of us that use it for love. 
that's preached in weddings. No, it's not really for that. It's the motivation as to why we desire those gifts. It's love. It's God's love. It's agape love. That's the more excellent way that we're going to talk about next Sunday. I can't wait to talk about that. I'm going to step on some of our toes next Sunday if I haven't done so already. I'm excited about this. I'm so excited that I want everybody to stand on their feet. I know the worship team is scrambling to get up here because they're like, oh my gosh. I got to put my iPad down because my prayer all week for those of you that are in this place today or watching online and you have never, let me, let me say it this way, you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit or you have asked for this gift and you have it, but you've never spoken in tongues. This is where we're at right now. We just got through reading that Jesus said, wait for the promise. And they were obedient. The, the disciples were obedient to go to the upper room and wait for the promise. So the very first step is obedience. So if you want the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, then just be obedient and receive. And when you do, the Holy Spirit, I promise, will fall on you. And then, and there's that and in that verse, and began to speak in other tongues. Then what I'm going to ask you to do is open your mouth and start moving that tongue. You may feel what I felt, and I hope you don't fall on this concrete floor, but you may get weak need and, and need to sit down and just be overwhelmed with God's power that you emotionally sense and you might start crying and that's okay. Or you may not feel anything. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means you're just different. And that's all right. And what I found is... is I think typically as I've experienced people getting filled with the Holy Spirit is they, they have one personality and they respond with another personality. Me being all Mr. Serious was weeping like a baby when I got filled. So I don't know if there's something to that. But what I'm saying is get out of your head. The devil right now is telling you this is not for you. The devil is telling you right now that this is nuts. We just got through reading in God's word. This is truth. So to help you, the church, for those of us that speak in tongues, you are Linda, my mother-in-law, this morning. We're going to be praying in the spirit. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then while we're praying in the Spirit, I want you to ask for Him to fall on you. And then I want you to join us in praying in the Spirit. So let's do that. Yeshukur makantana na labaki, shukutana na labaki. Yereshukur makie shukutana na labaki, shikietana labaki. Yeremakur matana na labaki, kechashukur bakata na maki di demakura bakara. Shut that mind down. You know what's happening. And when I say shut the mind down, I mean. Quit listening to those thoughts from the enemy that this is crazy. This is not for you. Open 
your heart and just receive. Just like you believed in Jesus, believe that he will fall on you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, I want to give God some glory. So if you prayed in the spirit for the very first time, speaking in tongues this morning, let me see your hands. you did this for the very first time this morning let me see your hands if you're online this morning and you're watching and you spoke in tongues for the verse the first time please leave a comment so that we know feel like somebody has a word this morning if you have a word this morning just belt it out that God said fear not for I'm here with you and I'm for you open your heart and God is here Holy Spirit is here and I still feel like there's somebody in here that has a mental block for a few seconds more churches pray in the spirit if that's you and you need to speak in tongues for the first time you want the gift you desire you're being obedient you're waiting for the promise now you want it you want the Holy Spirit to fall in to fill you and the evidence of that speaking in other tongues if that's you then as we've heard today, open your heart, open your mind. It's easier than you think. Just let it rip. Just join us. I'll ask again if you did this for the first time, if you would raise your hand. How about this? If you're in this place today and you haven't even taken your first step and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if that's you today, you know that you're a sinner, you know that He the only way, the only truth, the only life needs to save you. That I'm asking you to raise your hand this morning and we will pray with you if that's you today. 
we're about to worship if you need to receive Jesus, you want to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, or maybe you need to come back to Jesus. While we're worshiping, we have people in the back that are standing along the wall that would be happy, that would be honored to pray with you. So Father, I wanna thank you so much for everybody that's here. I just thank you, Father, for your word and for your move today. Father, I know this is a first step that we're taking as a church. And I praise you for it, Father. I just thank you right now that you bless us even more with your presence as we worship you and worship your son, Jesus. Further this morning, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.